0: Hello, good day to you. My name is Dave Nelson. Welcome back to yet another Bible teaching from the Bible teaching ministry of A Love Outreach. Today we are going to continue on in our study of the book of Acts once again, and we will be in chapter 14 today. So please, if you're in a position where you can do so, please go ahead and open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 14, so that you can follow along with me as we study the Word of God today. Uh, Acts chapter 14, and we are going to go ahead and jump right on into verse 1. It says, Now it happened in Iconium, that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude of both of the Jews and of the Greeks believed. Wow. So what we're seeing here is the Spirit of the Lord is working in a very powerful, very mighty way through his apostles. And we are continuing to see that throughout the book of Acts. Jesus and him crucified and resurrected is being preached by the apostles of Jesus. And the hearts of people are in many cases, open to receive the message of the truth. Today, at least from my vantage point, we do not see many people coming to Jesus um, like we can read about here in the book of Acts, not multitudes anyway. Um, is the gospel not being preached? Right? Are the hearts of people just not willing to repent and believe? Well, unfortunately, there seems to be a combination of the two in our world today. And here at the Ministry of a Love Outreach, we preach the gospel, we preach Jesus, and the fact that there is no other way to be saved. And of course, it is my prayer that your heart would be willing to repent and to come to faith in Jesus by surrendering your life to Him. But... There's only so much that I can do in pointing someone to Jesus. And here in verse 1, we see that this was a wonderful time when both Jews and Greeks, that is, non-Jews, were coming to faith in, in Jesus and being born again of the Spirit. In Acts, we are continuing to see the foundation of the church being led. But as always is the case, when the Holy Spirit is working there is an opposition to this good work that is being done. And this happens in our day and age as well. I see it all the time. You begin to share the gospel with someone, someone comes around, they start to want to come to the Lord, or they give their, they make a commitment, an initial commitment, and then all hell breaks loose, right? There's opposition against it, because Satan is warring for the souls of men and women, right? But So verse two says, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brethren. So, you know, we can blame this on Satan, which, of course, we know from 2 Corinthians 4, 4, right, that he does indeed blind the eyes of people so that they will not receive the gospel. He is in direct opposition to the spreading of the gospel. Um, But we could also just put the blame on these unbelievers, right? These were people that were indeed very steeped in their religion. And in order to protect their religion, they did all that they could to poison the minds of others. But either way you go on that, right, Satan is indeed behind all of this, the hindrance of the spreading of the gospel. And like I mentioned, this is still the case today as well, right? people will mock people will persecute anyone that comes to faith in Jesus and lets it be known could be your family members could be your friends that you that that have known you in a certain way for a long time and you come to the Lord and you're born again of the spirit you're going to be mocked you're going to be persecuted persecuted you know there's going to be some antagonism coming from one way or another right but you see satan is very clever he's very cunning in distracting people from repenting in the first place he's very cunning and very distractive from uh very distractive in a manner of keeping people from surrendering their lives completely to the lord he's okay if you accept religion He's okay if you are a Sunday-go-to-church Christian or a Wednesday-go-to-church Christian, but the rest of the days of the week, you live with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Satan's okay with that because he knows that you're not truly born again. You're not committed to the Lord, and he still has a grip on your soul, right? But What he won't stand for is people that will truly repent and that will die to themselves and become born again of the Spirit of God. So he will spare no expense when it comes to poisoning the minds of people. And he will use whomever he can, any unbeliever on this earth, to do that, to try and poison your mind because their minds are poisoned with the lies of Satan and they want to bring that to you, right? But the apostles here weren't willing to give up. They knew that the work needed to continue, the spreading of the gospel, and they were going to fight the fight of faith. They were going to continue to keep preaching the gospel at all cost. Okay, And verse th- uh, 3 says, Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So the Lord was bearing witness in all of this. But the multitude of the city, it says in verse 4, was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. So you see, even though many signs and wonders were being done by the Lord, this did not impact everyone. This is the same today. People say, well, if I see this then I will believe. If the Lord will answer this prayer, then I will believe. If I'll see this hearing, then I would believe. Right? But it's not the case. It's not the truth. It wasn't the case here. The apostles were doing many signs and wonders. The Lord was doing this through them to bear witness of His name, to bear witness of who He was. And many people still weren't believing. Right? And many people, like I said, are just not willing to die to themselves. They're not willing to take up the cross and follow Jesus. But then there are others, just like here, where Paul and Barnabas, these guys are preaching. People were willing to do so. But it says, verse 5, And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding regions, and they were preaching the gospel there. So here we're seeing the benefits of persecution. And, you know, I could go into a very long teaching how this applies in our lives as well. When the Lord is doing a work within us, it is hard. There might be pressure coming on us from all different angles, but the Lord is molding and shaping you into the man or the woman that He desires you to be in Christ, right? But at this time in church history here as we're, that we're reading about here in the book of Acts, um, the gospel was going forth in a mighty way, even though this persecution was taking place. And again, miracles and signs and signs and wonders were taking place and multitudes were coming to faith in Jesus and multitudes were not believing, right? But yet, you know, there's always going to be the haters and the haters unbeknownst to them were actually helping the spreading of the gospel. Because if you persecuted them one place, they just moved on and preached the gospel somewhere else. They had already preached the gospel there. They got persecuted they moved on and preached the gospel somewhere else so god works all things together for good for those that are the called according to his purpose right and that's i'm stressing that right now as i quote that verse because people love to quote the verse that says god works all things together for good right as long as it benefits them right but the question is 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 your life dedicated to the purpose of God, God's plan, God's will being done. Are you committed to him? Have you died to yourself? Have you taken up the cross? Are you following after the Lord? Okay, so um, anyway, let's read on here, verse eight. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man had, or this man heard Paul speaking, Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. You see, it's interesting here. But we see in those verses that I just read there, a man that was intently observing the Apostle Paul. And I think that that's um, a crucial point here, a key point, right? You see, Paul was the chief spokesman between him and Barnabas and John Mark, who were all traveling together on this missionary journey. And the King James Version says that this man was steadfastly beholding Paul, right? Intently, steadfastly, right? He's beholding Paul. And as a result of the steadfastness of this man, Paul recognized that he had faith. You know, he was paying attention. He was deeply uh, interested in what Paul was saying. And Paul wasn't preaching about healing here. He was preaching the, the only gospel he ever preached. Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead. And this man had faith in Jesus after hearing this message because he was intently listening to it. He was listening with his heart he was steadfast in his purpose right and he was people were coming to Christ and that's the goal of the gospel being preached and uh, miracles signs and wonders were taken taken place right but what what was to also taking place at this time in church history th- there was an they were building the foundation of the church that's what this is all about building the foundation of the church, okay? And verse 11 goes on, and this is interesting what happens next here. Now when the people saw um, what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying, in the Lyconian language, and that's important to, to note here, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker as i mentioned earlier so they they observed paul as that main speaker and their false god hermes was to them a messenger of the gods that's who hermes was to them right and in this case paul was the one doing the speaking right he was the messenger barnabas they called zeus because to them they must have seen that he was one with authority Okay. To, the, to them, their false god Zeus was considered as the ruler, the protector, and the father of all gods and humans. That's who Zeus was to them. So we can get an idea here of how they viewed Paul and Barnabas, but because they were shouting all of this in the Lyconian language, Paul and Barnabas did not know what was going on at this point. Um, they were at this point clueless as to what was happening. And in verse 13 continues on Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles and Barnabas, or when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men! Why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. So Paul and Barnabas didn't have halos over their head, you know, as you might see in a portrait of them or something like that, right? We're also, he said, we also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, okay? So we see here that Paul and Barnabas in all those verses I just read, they kind of freak out there once they finally realize what's going on. And they're saying, why are you doing these things? We're just men, nothing more, and we are preaching against the very thing that you continue to practice, okay? So maybe this lame man, you know, was intently or steadfastly listening to Paul, but these people were so steeped in their way of life, so steeped in their false gods that they were still following in that way, even though Barnabas and Paul were preaching against that. Right? They they wanted to turn these. Paul and Barnabas, that is, right? They wanted to turn these false God crazy people to the true and living God, the maker of heaven and earth, the God of all creation. They were preaching Jesus to the people. And today, many people have false gods. They may be their own God. They may say, I don't need God. I'm sufficient in and of myself. Or they may have false gods or things that they rely on superstitions and certain beliefs that they that they have in their lives. But the message of the gospel is to turn to Jesus Christ, is to come unto him, the true and the living God. And that's what Paul and Barnabas were focused on. Right. And then in verse 16, Paul continues speaking of the Lord. And he says, Lord God, right. And he says in who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons. You see, just pay attention, and you can know that God is good, and he still allows us to have these things. Rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, your farm fields will grow, you can have food, right? Filling our hearts with food and gladness, And with these sayings, right, verse 18, here's what happens, right? It says, and with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. So these people, again, they were simply so enamored by the way that these men spoke that they wanted to lift them up, but refused to lift up the living God. Many people fall into the same pit today of lifting up man rather than lifting up God. Just think about it. You know, we have these celebrities, these sports stars, and they say something, and everybody's like, oh, wow, he said that. Oh, wow, did you see what that star did to that star? Oh, wow, did you see all this? Useless. People that are simply perishing. People that are lost without the living God and without a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. But what the gospel message again does and what this ministry does, A Love Outreach, is we encourage you, we exhort you to come to the living God because this is what the original apostles did. They exhorted people to turn from their false ways, to, to turn from lifting up man. Worshipping man, worshiping other people, worshiping idols, useless idols and such, right? And to turn to the living God. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, only one. You see, Jesus is the head of the body. And if you come to Christ, you are a part of the body of Christ, the church. Not if you go to a building, that doesn't make you part of a church. The church, I should say might make you part of what people call a church today. If you go to a certain religious structure, religious denomination, or a non-denomination, or whatever it is, and then you could be part of that church, you could become a member, you could be part of that religion, but you can be without Christ still. Only by repenting, turning to the living God coming that is coming to Jesus Christ, Can you truly be born again and part of the body of christ and at that point you have one head over you no man no woman right you have one head over you the head of the body is jesus christ and you will have christ in you by his spirit when you surrender your life to him christ will come in you you will be born again old things will pass away all things will become new. You will be new in Christ. You will have a new direction, a new purpose. Right? You will have a new life within you, and you will have turned from the old way of living. Then Jesus Christ becomes your Lord. He becomes your King, your Master, and you begin to then live in accordance with the way that He desires you to live, which you find out about through the reading of the Scriptures and through the work of His Holy Spirit within you, right? So, yes, there are different functions in the body of Christ. You know, people that are called to do certain things. Not everybody's called to do this type of thing that I'm doing here, right? Uh, you know, teaching the Bible like this. Not everybody's called to be a pastor or a teacher. or not, We don't have the same gifts, but when you come to the body of Christ through faith, through repentance in Jesus Christ, Right? You will be doing something within the body of Christ. You will have a gift of the Spirit. You will have the fruit of the Spirit at work in your life, and you will be a changed person, and people will notice it. People will see it. People will know it. You will have the fruit of the Spirit within you. Today, people like to cry out about how many hypocrites there are, right? And I agree. The the so-called church, so-called Christianity, and I have to label it that way, is full of hypocrites because they think they can go to church on Sunday or they can go to church on Wednesday and Sunday or whatever day of the week they they can go to their church and they can do their thing, but then they can behind the scenes live in a different way, as if the living God can't see them, as if what they do on the other days of the week or as if their sin doesn't matter or if their sin is somehow covered up and, and no one can see it so they can continue in it right? They are the hypocrites, and they do exist, right? But when you cry out and you call someone a hypocrite, you're one too, I'm sure. You've got a beam in your eye, right? And you're seeing a speck in someone else's. You're living a filthy life. You're living an immoral life. You're living a faith, faithless life. But yet, in the end, you think you're going to go to heaven? You think you're going to be with God for all eternity? Just because maybe you think you're good enough? Well, you're a hypocrite just like the other hypocrites, right? And all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only way we can do it is through Christ in us. It's the only way. We need to be born again of the Spirit of God. And then we find that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. We mature. We, we find that the Word of God is living and active in us. It is changing us. It is molding and shaping us as I mentioned earlier to be the men and the women that God desires for us to be okay so kind of got off of my notes here in the direction I was going but I want to jump back in so the apostles again they're trying to put a stop to these people that are lifting them up verse 19 then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So the Lord wasn't done with Paul yet. We're not told whether whether the disciples that had gathered around him had prayed for him or not. But even though he was battered and bruised, And left for dead here, he would still go on and continue to preach the gospel, continue to serve the living God, continue to serve the Lord in his kingdom. Right. And it was no easy task. And it's no easy task today. Believe me, even for what I'm doing right now, there will be the fiery darts of the enemy that will come after me behind the scenes to attack me for preaching the gospel and what I'm doing right now. You know, it's no easy path, right? There are many a stone throwers in this world. Many a people that want to stone you to death when you stand For the living God, right? When you step out, especially to preach the gospel, and you choose to walk in the ways of the Lord, and it will come from every different angle, places you would never expect the attack to come. It would come. It will come, right? But God has a plan that is greater than every stone thrower, and that is why I press on in doing what I'm doing, because God is greater than all the stone throwers, right? And it is, isn't it, but it is amazing, I should say, how many stone throwers there are in the world. They're all over the place, it seems, and they come up with all of their different ways to attack the people of faith, the believers in God who stand firm in the Word of God, right? But anyway, Paul and Barnabas head to Derby now. So once again, they were persecuted where they went. And and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So again, it's hard. But this is really interesting to me. As Paul and Barnabas went back through the cities where they had converts, right, people that had been born again before, they were making sure to warn them that the kingdom of God was not an easy place. It's not easy to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas knew nothing of the health and the wealth, false gospel kind of thing that gets preached today. They, they, what happened? They didn't know about that gospel? Or is that just a made-up gospel? Well, it's just a made-up gospel. The health and wealth type thing, right? It's a false gospel. Enter, entering the kingdom of God has nothing to do with your best life now. Absolutely nothing to do with that. It's nothing at all. And as Paul was visiting these new believers, again, who knows, he might still have the bruises all over his body for what it's like for him to walk in the kingdom of God and preach the kingdom of God, right? Maybe not. Maybe he had healed up by now with the time that had gone by. But I'm sure that the stoning was still fresh in his mind. And he's telling these new believers that choosing the kingdom of God is not the easy road. And, and I will never preach that to you. Because I've I found that, that to be not true whatsoever, right? Be ready for troubles, is what I'd tell you. Right. It's so sad that this truth, though, is far too often left out of the gospel message when people preach Christ. You know, but the devil, he's blind in the eyes of people from the truth. And the devil is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we must fight the fight. We must press on in the work. The work must continue on. So when they had appointed elders verse 23 says so when they had appointed elders in every church so they went back to these cities now they're putting people in charge like I said there's people that are have certain giftings right pastors teachers elders things like this that are that that have a role in the body of Christ to keep the believers focused right and it says they um appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So Paul and Barnabas, right, again, I'm going to just reiterate this, they chose faithful men to oversee the churches, right, the the church that they planted in every city where there was a believer. These elders, where there was believers, excuse me, right, these elders were men that were considered to be of high integrity, above reproach. They were married men whose children were well behaved, okay? And they were all men, okay? And you can read other scriptures to find out what is the true qualification of an elder, right? They would oversee the church for that particular city, okay? There wasn't a whole lot of division other than that. There was a church in the city, and that church was the body of believers. It wasn't a building at all, it was the Body of believers. And these elders were over that body of believers to oversee them and to shepherd them and to, to pastor them and to teach them and to make sure that they stayed the course. So these men had this special calling on their lives and, and they were chosen by the apostles who laid hands on them to do that, right? So in, this, in the cities that they were going through, basically we see Paul and Barnabas doing some administrative type work and encouraging the believers in the faith, and again telling them, hey, this is hard. This is hard. This is not the easy road to take in life, okay? Verse 24, after they had passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia, now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God, for the work which they had completed, now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Right, that is to the non-Jews. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So Paul and Barnabas here had um, went back to their home church and they reported all the good news of all the things that had happened on their missionary journey. Uh, But I want to give to you, those of you that are students of the Bible, I want to give you an interesting side note here. As you see here, it says that Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch for a long time. The next thing that we will hear about with them will be, of course, when we get into chapter 15, where 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 we will read about the Jerusalem Council, what we call the Jerusalem Council, right? But before we get to chapter 15, there's a long time that passed here at the end of chapter 14 that we're reading about here. Okay, Keep that in mind when you're reading the Bible. There's time that goes by in all of this, right? But the interesting side, notes that, side note that I wanted to tell you about here that I'm referring to is that it was during this long stay in Antioch that the Apostle Paul would write his letter to the Galatians, which of course is what we call the book of Galatians in our Bible, right? And Paul was very upset as he wrote to the Galatians because after he had left the churches where he and Barnabas had preached the gospel and he had set up the elders and all of that, There there were some men that came in and preached to the new Gentile believers and told them that they had to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. Okay, And this made Paul very angry. And when you read Galatians, you can see how upset he was. Right? They were telling the Gentile men that they needed to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. Right, And keep in mind here that Paul and Barnabas, they had set up elders in the cities, the, the churches, and that those elders were not very old in the Lord themselves. These were new believers as well, but he had to choose the best that he could. You know, like I mentioned, men of integrity men that met the qualifications of an elder, but they were new believers themselves. And they were they were Jews as well, of course. And they were brought up in Ju- Judaism. And apparently they didn't know what to say, or they didn't know how to deal with these men that were coming in and telling them that they needed to be circumcised, right? And they were these men, these Jews of this religion that were the same ones, not the same ones, Exactly, but the same people that would stone Paul for what he preached, they want to come in and erase the gospel message. And you know, just a little side note here, this happens in life today as well. You hear a message like this, maybe your heart is being touched. Maybe you're saying, I want to give my life to Christ. Or maybe someone else has been planting seeds in your life, and it's starting to spring forth, and you want to come to Christ. There are people that want to come along and erase that, rip that little sprout right out of the ground that is starting to grow up in you, right, in, in your heart, right? But Paul had to deal with this, right? So it was during this long stay in Antioch that, again, he wrote this letter to the Galatians. And in the next chapter of Acts here, we will see that the Jerusalem Council was all about this question, as to whether the Gentile believers had to be circumcised or not. We'll read about that in chapter 15. And we'll go ahead and we'll stop here for today. But remember, folks, Jesus is the only way. You must be born again. You must yield your life to the leading of the Spirit of the Lord within you. We must press on in the faith. The work must go on. There are plenty of stone throwers that will come your way when you choose to walk in the path of righteousness. But God has a plan. God has a purpose. Stay the course. Fight the fight. Press on through the trials of this life. And God will continue to use you for his kingdom's sake. If you do face persecution or you are currently facing persecution or there's somebody in your life that's constantly there mocking you, running their mouth in your life because you are a believer in Jesus Christ, know that just as we've seen today, that persecution has benefits. God has a plan. God has a purpose in it. And you must be determined to press on and to fight on. Our focus on this earth as followers of Jesus is to be salt and light to be spirit-filled, spirit-led people, to live in such a manner that we point others to Jesus. Again, the world continues to wax worse and worse. And thanks be to God that this world, as we now know it, is not our home. There is a new heavens and a new earth coming, and it's not too far in the distant future. It's time to know the truth, so read your Bible and discern the times that we are living in. Again, there are stone throwers aplenty, but the spreading of the gospel must and will continue. And once again, I exhort you to examine where you are today in the faith. As I preach this, as I teach this, it's what I must do. I must examine where I am in the faith. Have you put your hand to the plow? Are you staying focused on Jesus or are you looking back at the world, looking at the false gods of this world, right? I want to encourage you to fix your eyes on him, to set your mind on him, to tell others about him. And if you feel so inclined to tell others about this ministry that teaches the gospel, do so. Share it with others because the work must continue and we must continue to preach the gospel. And time is running short. And today is the day of salvation. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for this good day. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy that you have shown to this world in giving this world the opportunity to repent and to come unto Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, Father God. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, all that you've sacrificed. We thank you for your love in our lives. I pray your will to be done in all the hearts and the minds of those that will hear this message, be it today or be it sometime in the future. Lord, let your will be done in all things. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you for watching or listening, whatever, whichever the case may be. Um, We'd love to hear from you if we can pray for you or help you to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord to help you to grow spiritually. So we will see you next time. God bless.